Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I've done so much crap. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. I can do a little bit of everything, but nothing especially well. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. It's been about two months now since I had the dream. The dream itself was more of a nightmare. Uh, I was in super drugs. There was a kind of zombie attack on an elderly woman. I escaped the zombies and managed to get back to my house. But in my room there, there was a figure facing the window and I was, I was obviously terrified. Uh, I picked up uh, a copy of the Old Testament and I was about to club her over the head with it when she turned round and before me was this. This is the most beautiful girl that I've ever seen. I've been unemployed for the last three months or so. I've applied for around 250 jobs. So I thought, I'll try and grab potential employers' attention. I'll put myself up there. They can watch the stuff that I've done online. Uh, they can see a CV there, and hopefully they'll come to me. Hello! How's it bloody going, you bunch of buggers? There's no sport, there's no TV show, there's no movie that makes you feel as hyped as... Or... Or if you smell, like you know. All <laughs> yeah, right. the noises. Kurt, you love it. Scott, you love it. You love it. Siric, you love it. You love it. Thanks for watching our punishment video for. Ex- <laughs> Plenty of that. There you go. One, two, three, four, five. You got your money's worth there, didn't you? Joined once again on Cultaholic Island by a resident of Cultaholic Island, uh, the 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 Grand Pooba. Of Cultaholic Island. Grand Poobah. Poobah? What does that Grand mean? Grand Poobah, like the leader, I okay, guess. Okay, sure. Adam Pachiti, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me, it's Thomas. An, it's an honour and a privilege. I feel like I've not seen you in minutes. It's good to be here. <laughs> um, what's a good night out on the Isle of Wight like? Uh, okay, so when I was uh, when I was younger, um, we would go to a nightclub called Colonel Bogies, <laughs> which has since shut. There is, there is no good night out on the Isle of Wight. I'll point that out now. When I go back at, at Christmas or... Funerals, which is the only other time that I managed to get to the Isle of Wight now. Starting off on a real positive note. Um, it's, uh, it, it just gets uh, it gets slightly more crappy every single time. But, uh, yeah, we used to go to Colonel Bogies, and then uh, I was barred from there at the age of 18 or maybe 19 when I went to university. Me and my friends were, we were younger, right? This is 13 years ago or so. And we went for a night out, and we had it in our heads that, we would get barred from as many places as possible without being horrible people or anything. We would just 
because we were never going to come back to the Isle of Wight, right? <laughs> we're leaving this place behind. We're going to the big city. We're going to study and do all this <laughs> stuff. And so, yeah, I was, I was barred from, from bogeys for skipping the queue and then uh, <laughs> trying to pay for drinks with stupid money that I'd won in the arcade. So they had all of these fake <laughs> notes, and mine had a Dell Boy on it from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> so I was, trying to, I was just like, there you go, and it's like £69, the Bank of Trotter or whatever it was. And they, uh, they, 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 they were like, oh, we're going to report you to the police for this because you're trying to oh, defraud wow. us. And I was like, no, 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 it's, I was only joking about, please don't. And then they just barred me, and it was fine. It was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> is Colonel Bogey still there? No, it shut down probably ten years ago now. It was the, it was a great night. They they had genuinely brilliant theme nights. Wednesday, for example, was literally called Grab a Granny Night. That was on all of the advertising and everything, and it was just o- old people and then young people going to try their luck with the elderly. I didn't partake in that personally. I went to one of them, but didn't get lucky. I was going to ask whether or not you did or not. No. Um, so you mentioned that you left the Isle of Wight for the big city. Was, mm. So was that for education purposes? Yeah, and I didn't even go to the big city. I went, I went to Winchester, <laughs> one of the smallest cities, if anything. The former capital Ooh. of England or the UK or whatever. Uh, no, yeah, I, it was very, very short-sighted um, to, to behave in, in such a way. But as I say, we weren't nasty. I wasn't <laughs> glassing people. What was uh, The last time you went back to the Isle of Wight would have been Christmas, presumably. It was, yeah. Um, and it's, there's something special about when you go back because neither of us are from the northeast anyway. We just both sort of happen to have washed on the shores here. Um, but there is something nice about going back and just retreading old footsteps, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's it's always lovely to see friends and family. Um, it just feels different. I don't feel at home there anymore, which is a real shame. That's really? a sad thing to say. I feel far more at home in Newcastle, which I think is a tremendously very welcoming city. People are great here. People are especially friendly. And when I'm back on the Isle of Wight, everything feels a bit feels a bit Royston Vasey, just a bit weird, not quite comfortable anymore. Everything sort of stands still in somewhere. I've 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 not been to the Isle of Wight. I think anybody with any sort of passing knowledge of the Isle of Wight will know it for the Isle of Wight Festival. Mm. Were you grow when you were growing up? Was the Isle of Wight Festival? Like a thing? Did you? Well, I, get... I disagree. I think if anyone's familiar with the Isle of Wight, it would be because of me. Oh, oh the most me. famous person from the Isle of Wight, except Derek Sandy, so the second most. So uh, there's a top three. Put them in whatever order you wish. Yeah. So the, the the Isle of Wight Festival wasn't around when I was really young. I think it restarted in 2004. It's called Rock Island, and it was headlined by Ash, great band. Nice. Um, but I didn't go because I was with my parents seeing Joe Pasquale next door <laughs> in the Medina Theatre, which is something that I regret. But I ended up going in like 2005, 2006, went for a few years, played it once, in fact. You played the Isle played of Wight? So technically, I've supported the Rolling Stones on a different day, on a different stage, but still the same festival. <laughs> How did you come to play the Isle of Wight? We had to battle of the bands. Um, we were called Adam and the Gants. My mate is Aidan Gant. Right. I was the drummer. I don't know why I had my name. And, and Gant, Aidan Gant, played the Zafoon, which is a wind instrument. Fred was the lead singer. So I just, yeah, the, the most, I, I don't know why we were called Adam, Adam and the Gants, but we were, um, we were barred. <laughs> we were barred. We got, two barred stories in yeah, 10 minutes. Sorry about this. We, Phenomenal. Um, yeah, we, we did Battle of the Bands. And then... Uh, security had been really horrible to us and just like taking the piss out of us essentially and so one of our songs was called uh adam the gants and we were singing that and the the lead singer decided to change the lyrics to 
Instead of Adam and the Gants, he went security at SeaWords. Oh, wow. Mm. The audience loved it. <laughs> and then we walked backstage and there the security uh, lining the corridors uh, and just went, right, lads, pack your stuff and get out. And then they chased <laughs> us across a field. We had our own security guy who was useless. His name's John. And I remember him running across Medina School Field, taking off his security polo shirt. <laughs> lobbed it on the roof of one of the school buildings and so then he had to get the bus back to Ventnor where he's from which is a 50 minute bus ride topless but yeah we end up playing because we sent we sent an email saying this is completely unfair we were we were screwed um and so they were like oh go on then lads you can open the stage on the friday night or, or the, th the friday afternoon or whatever it was uh, but yeah, it was really fun. And none of us could play any instruments. We were just having a laugh. But it was, yeah, it was great fun. I mean, we're going to get more into uh, other stuff that you've done throughout your life. But for somebody who uh, is, is still at relatively a young age to say, I supported the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I've been in a match with Rey Mysterio. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a phenomenal resume. Yeah, I try and do, I, I like doing things. That's a, that's a weird sentence to come out of one's mouth. No. But I, I enjoy... I enjoy like telling stories and having things to tell stories about. So when I do go to the Isle of Wight at Christmas, um, we don't. All we do is sit there and tell funny stories from when we were kids. We don't not. We, we we don't really make any new stories, and that's something that bothers me. When I go back, every time it's the same like ten stories, and they're really fun to talk about. I still enjoy it, but it's always at the back of my mind. It's like, hey, I should be making new stories. I should be doing. Do you feel like that's probably why you say it feels a bit like Royston Vasey, like it's a place sort of trapped in time? Yeah, because you because you say you're not making new stories there. You're just it's 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 like you're visiting a museum. Yeah, and it, it was different, wasn't it? We were, we were younger. You could get away with a lot more. Like the, the things that we were doing, they were never spiteful or horrible or anything. But they're things that, as an adult, you just couldn't get away with. We were stupid little kids doing all of these things and just trying to make each other laugh all the time. There's no way we'd get away with it now. One thing that you would have been doing a lot of is presumably watching wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, although not so much when I was a teenager, when okay. I was making all these stories, I'd sort of I. I got rid of wrestling from my life because it was the thing that when I was at school, people used to make fun of me for. So I would turn up at the, the school disco in a Hardy Boys t-shirt uh, and be on the dance floor doing Jeff Hardy's thing. <laughs> I was the coolest guy in the world. But I, then I found out that people were making fun of me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and be cool now. And so I'll get rid of wrestling from my life, which was foolish. And this was like 2000, early 2002 maybe. And I just stopped watching for a long time. And I think I missed some really good stuff. There's still sort of a, a, a black spot, a, a, a missing wrestling knowledge. Uh, mm. Whenever we're talking about stuff in videos, it's like I have to actually do a bit of research. I was like, okay, that happened, that happened. The rest of it I can remember fairly well. But I think we all have a lapse period in wrestling. Yeah. And there is like mine, which shows my age, mine was like 94 to 97. <laughs> Nice. That was my last. That's not a bad time to miss, is it? Yeah, though, it was the really? new. It's, it's nice. The podcast I do with Justin Henry now, like we're revisiting all that, and it's so it's nice to have those lapse periods. But uh, with the exception of that time away, um, as a result of sort of peer pressure, pr presumably, yeah, ish. Yeah. Um, you watched a lot of wrestling, which is kind of why we're here today. It, it, not just in the grand sense, but in in this particular sense, so we're sending you on a desert island, and we're going to burn three wrestling matches onto a DVD for you to watch whilst you're there. There's obviously issues about how is the DVD player powered, but let's not get into that. Let's let that 
living the existence. Uh, what's the first match you would like on your DVD? Uh, Doink versus Crush from WrestleMania 9. Wowzers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this was... Because I love work rate. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, why have you picked this mid-card match from WrestleMania 9? Uh, so... It's something that my dad and I really bonded over. I've picked three matches here, by the way. I'll just get this out of the way now. I'm not taking Okada Omega on this on this island. Good. I, I've, I've, I've thought about this in a way that if I'm there, actually the last thing that I want to do is watch wrestling. So I want to <laughs> have three matches that are going to remind me of times which were really enjoyable in my life. And this is the match that my dad and I watched more than any other. One of them... I. I've talked about it in videos for both What Culture and Cultaholic quite a lot, is uh, Davey versus Brett at SummerSlam 92. But this is the match that we watched more, and I fully, you know, believed in kayfabe, and so it was it was a really fun match, just good versus evil. And I remember before, like, Doink has... Um, He's graffitied, he's uh, vandalized the Julius Caesar statue in the background. And he's made it into a clown. And it's just, it's brilliant. Like, Crush is battering him for the whole time. And then Doink does the bit that we'll talk about in a second. Some of the greatest shenanigans that I think have ever happened in wrestling, which was made all the better by Bobby Heenan's presence as well. It was fantastic. Wrestling is... Uh, and, uh, and this is a point that I make a lot. Wrestling is always at its best when it's inherently nonsense. Yeah. And uh, so this would have been a match that you watched with your dad. Yeah. So was your dad a wrestling fan? Yeah, he yeah a big uh, British wrestling fan, more so. Yeah. Uh, he loved WWF growing up, and then we watched WCW. Uh, quite a lot because I think what was it on it was it on Bravo I want to say or Bravo uh, yeah after it was on Channel Five it moved over to Bravo yeah so we watched it on Bravo because we were a Sky family oh, spent all the gosh. money on Sky and didn't have any money for anything else <laughs> Turkey Twizzlers every night um, but yeah we used to watch that and it was um, I love watching wrestling with my dad uh, and I love how he watched this match with me because he played the role of a babyface commentator so when Doink's healing it up. Bobby Heenan is fantastic, and like okay, so we'll talk about the illusion that happens, the twin magic, the, the twin magic, the original <laughs> twin magic, um, and uh, so Crush has been dominating, and then a second Doink comes out and attacks uh, attacks Crush with the cast, laying him out, and then um, Matt Bourne and the other Doink. Oh, I can't remember who it was played. by. I believe was it? it was Steve Kerr. Yeah, I think you're Skinner. right. I think yeah. it was Skinner. I think you're right. Um, they do the thing where they go. <laughs> like that. Sorry, audio listeners. But they do the thing and they move their hands around at the same time, creating the illusion of, yeah, two doinks. And Bobby Heenan's going, This is amazing. What an illusion. I can't believe it. And my dad he he knew that I was really into it and he would he would just say stuff like that's absolutely disgraceful, isn't it, Adam? What a bad man. Amazing. And he knew it was all nonsense, but I was young enough to just be like, That is so horrible. Crush is the <laughs> crush is the best. And he's trying to conquer this guy who's defaced the Julius Caesar statue. Uh so yeah, me and my dad used to watch wrestling together a lot. And if I when I talk to him on the phone now, um, the thing that he always goes to is like, oh, did you see there's a new, there's, there's a Ruthless Aggression uh, oh. documentary on the on the network? Or did you hear about Adrian Street or something like that? And I, I just, uh, it, it's not me humouring him, cause, but I don't know a lot about like British wrestling. Yeah. But he always wants to talk about that. Um, and yeah, I love talking about wrestling with my dad. Mine is always, whenever my dad 
my dad would, would talk about wrestling. It'll always always start with, hey, the Bushwhackers, how are they doing? Like, they're, they're, they're all right, I guess. I talked about it the other day, but um, Bushwhacker Luke was the first famous wrestler that I saw. The, the Ven- wow. Venmo Winter Gardens licked my head. <gasps> yeah. Was that the first live show you went to? I think so. Yeah. Uh, memory's a bit fuzzy. I think it was. But they, they used to have, um, it was All Star, Brian Dixon's company. Uh, they used to bring down relatively big names, like uh, in the period where Yokozuna was off. I, I saw him at one of his last shows before he died. I think he was on the UK tour that I went to when he died. Um, and saw him with one of the head shrinkers. I think it was Samu. Um, saw him at Ride Ice Arena. Um, and then he died like three weeks later, I think it was. Gosh. And I remember my dad going, yeah, he saw a spider. Because he was deathly afraid of deathly spiders. Afraid of spiders. I think it was more to do with his, his morbid obesity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit of column A, column yeah. A. There was a promoter in the Northeast who was told on multiple occasions to hoover Yokozuna's dressing room for a show in Ashington because he was frightened of spiders. He, he had to have people go into his hotel rooms and check that there were no cobwebs or anything, otherwise he would kick off. It was really incredible. But it was really cool to see some of those guys. I saw Jake the Snake. I think I saw the Red Rooster. Wow. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I've got a lot. Somewhere in the loft at home, there will be a lot of Polaroid pictures signed by these wrestlers of the little Adam Pachiti meeting his heroes. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, going back to you arriving on the mainland, mm. <laughs> leaving the Isle of Wight for the mainland, uh, we have a mutual friend who says he went to, I think it might be uni with you, mm-hmm. and always describes you as like quiet, but very entrepreneurial. Okay. Is that an accurate portrayal? Uh, I don't think I'm especially quiet. I, I think I think I can be pretty introverted. I'm very happy with my own company for sure. Mm. Um, I've always, yeah, I, I think I probably get that from my dad, who who ran lots and lots of different businesses. And growing up, and I've always been fascinated just with, with the internet as a whole mm. and ways to try and make money on the internet. And so I've done various things which I won't talk about to try and make money. If I, well, the, the, one of the first, one of the, well, there's the one that springs to mind is the, it's, it's the one when I, like years ago, I was, when I was working in a, in, a, in a different life, I was working for a radio station in Telford and we had this story come down about this guy who'd bought a billboard mm. and it was yourself. Yeah, so I was working at the arcade when that happened. I actually had a job when I put the billboard up, but I wasn't especially happy there and... I was happy. No, it was, it was a great job, actually. But I knew it wasn't a career and it's not what I wanted to do. My, my whole life so far, the, the aim's been to never work for a living. I, I never want to feel like anything that I do is real work. And sure, there's a lot of real work now because I have to do a lot of paperwork, admin pachiti and all that. But the majority of what I do doesn't feel like work. And that's an amazing and a privileged position to be in if you can get to the position where you're doing things that, you know, the days fly by and it's not just because I'm working nonstop. It's because I'm having fun for the most part. And that's, I, I'm very, very lucky to be able to do that. But with the, um, the, obviously the employee Adam thing and there was numerous other ones. What was the first scheme? First scheme. I'm kind of putting them under the, under the <laughs> umbrella of schemes. I'll tell you the first, first scheme. scheme. So I was, uh, I was friends with a girl who I won't mention. Um, <laughs> this is bad. Excellent. Okay. Uh, University, first year, uh, I was with uh, my friend and we got talking and I'd found out about this thing called financial domination. Okay. Uh, Findom. And uh, she was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really big thing and people have these things called pay pigs. And I was like, you know what? 
I bet we could make some money doing this. And the idea is that people enjoy giving money to people they find attractive. Um, and so I set up uh, a user account for her with her permission. Of course, we did this all together. Um, and she was like, yeah, just put pictures of my feet on. It would be really funny. I was like, okay, yeah, people are into feet. And I guess they're into giving money to people as well. So uh, set up this thing. And it just said in the, in the description, if you want me to give you any of my time, PayPal me $25. And I set up this automated script because I can code a little bit of stuff that just went around liking people's photos on this website. So lots of traffic was coming through to the profile. And then we woke up the next day and there was two grand in her <laughs> PayPal account. And I was like, okay, let's stop this now. I feel really guilty about this because she was going to talk to them and everything, but there's nothing, like, nothing was going to happen. And I remember just panicking, thinking, oh God, this has gone too far. So there's the first scheme. Wow. And I don't know if that makes me a bad person. <laughs> well, it's one of them where like, it's, it's supply and demand in a, in a really, really dark way, isn't it? It's supply yeah. and demand. You know, you're, you're not telling people to give us money. You're going, here's a picture of my feet. If you want to talk to the person that owns them, give me some money. Most of them were just pictures of her shoes. Weren't even feet. What's funny is that basically like that, that whole financial dominance, domination thing, the whole thing of setting up, a, basically you said, oh, if you want to talk to me and an attractive woman, here's some money. You basically piloted OnlyFans. Yeah, well, yeah, they I, should be giving me royalties. Basically, you were there. Right now. You were there ahead of all of that. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was. It, it wasn't the most ethical thing, which is why we put because we thought, oh, maybe we could we can get twenty five dollars out of someone and buy some drinks, and then we woke up with that in our account. <laughs> and I was just like, this has gone too far this immediately. Is... So there's the first scheme, and then the second was the girl of my dreams thing, mm-hmm. um, which was my way of trying to get a book deal. Like I just made that whole thing up. I was in the pub with my mate, and I was telling them about what was essentially just a dirty dream I'd had. <laughs> but what's like, funny what is it? when you when you and it's this is a weird sentence to say when you are talking to Lorraine mm. Lorraine Kelly it's obvious it's all a bit of a yeah I just couldn't I, I couldn't believe I was on the telly yeah I, I just sat opposite how, Lorraine Kelly with her shiny legs well how just, did that happen when you well, I mean was there a point when so you came up with this I mean you you for the people who don't know you talk through the dream girl scheme yeah so the, the dream girl thing the idea was that I'd had a dream and in this dream appeared to me a beautiful woman and I had read somewhere that the people that, are, uh, that appear in your dreams, you've had to, you, you've met them somewhere. You, you don't just, they're not inventions in your mind. I'd have seen this woman in the street or in the audience of Jeremy Kyle on TV. She exists somewhere in the world. So I drew her um, and I was looking to find her because I thought she was the one. But the drawing was uh, incredibly juvenile and rubbish. And it was intentionally so because... That's the funny bit. It's it's it. I would say it verges on creepy if it's a real thing. Like if I was an artist and it's beautiful, maybe that's a bit weird. Says the man who was selling pictures of feet. <laughs> um, so I made it that, and I gave it one. The drawing I gave it one um, one feature that it, people would latch onto. Everyone knew somebody that looked like that drawing because of the glasses. That was it. So I gave her one thing. Like if it had been a tattoo on her neck, it would have been way too much. So it was this one thing: square glasses. Um, and so everyone knew someone, so it, it took off. And the, the way I did that was I launched the website, did a few minor PR stunts to get a, a bit of material for the press to use. So I went to London and handed out flyers for like five minutes, but just got enough footage and pictures of me doing that. And then I sent it into the local paper, knowing that the reporters would see it as a perhaps potential for, for a national story, and they would pitch it to the 
to the uh, national newspapers, and that's the same thing that I did with the um, with the billboard thing. It's like if you get it in the locals, if there's national interest, they'll see it and they'll come for you. And the idea of the girl of my dreams thing, so I, uh, with the website and everything, was I wanted a book deal, um, and I thought, hey, I'm not having much fun at university in my first year. Maybe somebody will give me a book deal. And it got to the point that I got that book deal off the back of that. And I got to travel and um, fly around the world just meeting bespectacled girls. Uh, and the idea was to do like a sort of Dave Gorman, Danny Wallace-esque journey book, maybe a documentary or something. And then the uh, literary agency that I was with went into administration and it ended up like they dropped it. I got to keep the advance, which was mm. cool. Mm, uh, nice. So I made a bit of money and that was my job for a year. But, you, but the book never saw the light of day? No, I've still got like nine chapters written somewhere, but I'm not a writer. I, I, I read it back maybe five, ten years ago now, and it was crap. It would it would have needed a lot of editing. But I think the premise of the story was all right, and people like that stuff. And it was my first attempt at not necessarily fame, but doing something that wasn't really working for a living. Was fame the goal? No, not even slightly. Mm. I, I, I never thought that even at what culture I'd be necessarily used on camera. I went in as an editor there, um, and then they were like, okay, we want to use you on camera, come up with some pitches, and I pitched. What did I pitch? I pitched the Adam versus Adam stuff. Um, I pitched uh, Worst Wrestling Merch, which was a series that ran for no time at all. I pitched... God, what else did I pitch? There was stuff that ended up getting used for, for a while anyway. Um, but no, I never wanted to, because it was, you know, I... I uh, I wasn't very good on camera. I'm all right now, but it's it was never the the dream or anything like that. What was why was it what was it that you did that made them think we want to put you on camera? I think um I think I played the the straight man. Like my role on camera changes a lot. If I'm with you, I play the straight guy, right? Mm. And I did very much the same with Adam. I'm the I'm the Spenny to your Kenny. If you understand that reference, two people will. Um, so yeah, I, pl I play the straight guy, and that makes it more enjoyable when the the other person on camera is acting very excitable and doing that stuff. And I think that relationship with Adam and the relationship that you and I have as well. Um, I think I, I'd like to think of myself as very easy to work with on camera, I, and I, and my role does change here and there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was just that they saw that, and people people enjoyed it, despite the fact that I was crap and like Blompier's like trained actor he's done comedy circuit for so long and everything and um i was winging it completely but people liked it and i was really flattered by that and so we went with it i feel like you and jack had a very similar start then because when we had jack on here uh, he was saying that he he wanted he, he saw the fun that you and adam were having and we're like well we want a bit of that mm -hmm. but then when they approached him like he said it was deer in the headlights it yeah. was just they because they saw the fun you were having and that was what inspired them. I can't watch even though like I'm proud of the stuff that we made. I can't really watch old stuff back because I just think oh I've done that so differently now. That's completely that 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 was rubbish. But people really really enjoyed it and it hadn't really been done in that way on YouTube before. The way that we were doing it with the big fairly outlandish punishments and all that stuff, people weren't really doing that. And I think yeah, it was it was something original that we were providing and I was having a lot of fun doing it as well. Just to jump back, um, you said you weren't having fun at uni. Mm. How come? I, I just, you know what, it's a weird thing, because I went back and I completed my course after taking two years away. Um, 
I just wasn't really getting on that well with the people. And then I went back and it was just a different set of people and I got on really well with them and I made friends there that are definitely friends for life. Like one of my uh, course mates, I ended up being the best man at his wedding, who we went to Raw together, in fact. We went to Raw. He got, I got him into wrestling and we went to see the Raw where... Lord Tensai defeated John Cena. What a time that was. Yeah. What a time we all remember that very though. fondly. Um, but no, I just, yeah, I just didn't get on that well with the people there. And then I met people when I went back. So yeah, I, t- I took two years out. And um, the first year was to do Girl of My Dream stuff. And then my dad, um, my dad fell ill. Um, and I ran his shop for, uh, for a year as well. Because um, the, the shop wasn't doing especially well. And... He, he, it became clear that he wasn't going to get better, so I ended up sort of just wrapping the, the shop up for him. What was the shop? Uh, he used to sell um, like a mini HMV, I guess. He sold like uh, music T-shirts, like uh, Slipknot and Corn and Limp Bizkit and all that stuff when that was popular. Uh, DVDs, odd bits of film and music merch. Yeah, mm. and and you say you wrapped up the business? Yeah, because it just became clear that he he, he wasn't going to get. He wasn't going to get better, uh, so it, it wasn't possible for him to return to work. But I did that for almost a year and got all of his inventory online, started selling on like Play and Amazon and all that sort of stuff back in the day, uh, and essentially made as much money for him f- there when we realised that he wasn't going to be fit to work again. Mm. Does feel like you've lived a thousand lives? Yeah, it's a weird. I, I I dread like if Cultaholic were to end tomorrow. I dread what I'd do next because I've got the most sort of sporadic, weird CV. I got very lucky that What Culture hired me because they mm. saw the Pinfall documentary. I got very lucky that What Culture hired me because um, who else would? I've done so much crap. <laughs> I'm a man of uh, jack of all trades, master of none. I can do a little bit of everything, but nothing especially well. To um, move move back to uh, the wrestling thing, let's let's talk about another wrestling match. Mm. Um, so what? So we've had we've got Doink versus Crush, uh, WrestleMania Nine. What's your second one? Uh, it is Royal Rumble, and it's Yokozuna versus the Undertaker casket match. Ooh, okay, nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Um, what's What's special about this one? So this is when I realised that wrestling was fake. Oh <laughs> this was, no! This was the match, and it was nothing to do really with the in ring action. It was to do with the fact that. Um, after all of the heels had come in, so there was Crush again. T- Crush was, featured in two of my desert. Ah, Crush yeah. was there, Jarrett was there. Were the head shrinkers there? Crush, oh, Jarrett, head shrinkers, Diesel turned up, Shawn Michaels turned up. Oh, I didn't even Basically, remember Basically, it was any heel that was in the back yeah. came out at the end and just battered the Undertaker. So they're all knackering him, and they finally managed to get him into the coffin. Um, and they shut the lid, this big wooden coffin. They shut the lid, and Yokozuna has won. And I remember, um, oh, I know it's, it's, it's important to mention that after this, after it, the coffin's being wheeled to the back or whatever, Undertaker appeal, appears on the Titan Tron, um, cuts a promo from inside the casket, and then ascends to heaven. I think <laughs> you remember it on the Ascends to heaven. He rises up, and I was like, okay. And I, I remember rewinding the VHS so many times. I was like, there's no camera in that coffin. <laughs> All of this supernatural bollocks, throw it out the window because there is no camera in that coffin. I've seen it. The lid's shut. There has to be a camera there. There's no camera there. That's a pre-record. And that's the moment that I realized that wrestling wasn't entirely real and I became a smark, I guess. And oh. that, the reason that I picked this is because, not because I want to watch the match, 
Um, but because it's the moment that I became a smart and for the past four and a half years I've made my living off of being a smart and I've met some of my heroes I've made amazing friends uh, and I've had a lot of fun over the past four and a half years uh, and so I think this is a nice sort of poignant moment where it's like okay yeah this is it where did you watch that match in the living room with my dad again. We all, we just got the, the VHS. You know what? I, I think we were probably watching all this stuff like six or seven months on. Probably not in the right order because dad would get VHS. We'd rent them from Blockbuster or he had a mate from a car boot who would get us dodgy copies. Mm. So um, with that match then, when your dad, because obviously you've talked about how your dad used to do the commentary. Mm. Was there any, Was was what was the conversation when, the, the cogs were turning and it sort of clicked that I remember this in, isn't I interrogated him. I interrogated him about it. It's like, Dad, that can't be it. And he tried to keep the magic alive. Like, you know when you're a, you're a kid and you start to doubt Father Christmas? Sorry to any children watching. You start to doubt, doubt Father Christmas and your parents, if, if, you, if they think you're not quite of that age that you should know, they'll go, no, of course he's real. He, he just, he can teleport. So that's how he gets to all the houses very quickly, Adam. Um, it was like that. He's like, no, no, it's, of, course it's, of course it's real. There's it's just a little camera in there, Adam. There's just a little. But I think he was a little bit upset that I'd figured it out mm. because we had bonded uh, so closely over kayfabe and that was coming to an end. It, maybe it was a, you know, it was a sign that his little boy was growing up oh. in some stupid way. Yeah. Do you, um, but did you still continue to watch wrestling? Yeah, together you, after yeah, that? yeah. We watched, well, we, I tried to watch wrestling, but I think, um, what time would, uh, would Nitro air on a, it was on a Friday night, wasn't Friday it? Friday after, I think, t- I, 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock. I remember trying to stay up to, essentially to make, dad proud that I was a big enough boy to watch it so 10 o'clock would hit and every time I remember my eyes getting my eyelids getting heavy and they would they would and I'd never make it up 10 o'clock hit I was asleep and he would carry carry me up to bed my own bed (laughs) (laughs) that comes to all of us not being carried to bed but the whole thing my father we've all been carried to to father by Nigel carried to father carried to bed by we've all been carried to bed by Nigel Pacitti we all have Um, when when the 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 penny drops regarding wrestling and uh, we've said this on previous episodes of Desert Island and Graps it's a bit like finding out uh, a magician's trick like one of two things happen either you're upset that you've been hoodwinked or you're fascinated and you want to know more like it's once you unlock that world you go there is either you are upset and you don't touch it again or you go wow so this is how it works you know and i was your reaction you became a smart as you say so presumably were you more intrigued then by the fix oh yeah totally yeah it's the most interesting thing about wrestling isn't it the the um Everything that doesn't happen in the ring is the stuff that I enjoy the most. I enjoy talking about the backstage stuff. I enjoy the entrances. As soon as the matches start, at this point, I'm just like, oh, cool, it's a good match. Um, if you watch most most graded for I think that we all do here at Cultaholic, like we spend more time talking about the bits between the matches rather than going move for move for move. In the well, match. that's how many times can you talk about matches? Like they all tell a story of course but a lot of those stories are fairly similar yeah. Um, and yeah nobody wants to just hear somebody reel off this move happened this move happened they want to know the story of the match and then the reasons that things are happening or the perceived reasons that things are happening mm. you got your chance to um work the magic uh with wcpw mm. so you were at what culture at this point you'd gone in as a video editor 
and they said, let's do put you front of camera. Before you know it, you're basically the front and centre for a wrestling company. Yeah, yeah, which I guess takes me to the third match that I'm talking about because that's a WCPW. Oh, is it really? It let's is. do that at the end. Let's talk okay. a little bit. Let's talk a little bit WCPW. Okay. Um, your reaction when the 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 discussion was happening about a wrestling company coming in? Um, I was uh, very very skeptical of mm. of the idea, um, just because I guess it was a very expensive thing to to do, and I was worried that it would detract from the on screen stuff that um, me, Jack, Adam. Um, basically everyone, anyone involved in the predictions were doing and it, it, it did sometimes do that in that WCPW seemed to take a priority um, and I think we neglected the other content that we were doing sometimes just because we were like on the road or something and um, but yeah I was skeptical but, but excited as well when I when I started hearing some of the names that were being thrown around there were guys like uh, on the British indie scene that I'd grown up watching um, and uh, like uh, the Gero, Kirby guys that I'd, I'd seen before. And in fact, no, I hadn't watched Kirby before. But there were there were other guys there, Doug Williams, for example, uh, names that were being thrown around. And then they would start talking about Jay Lethal. I was like, geez, okay, this is all taking off a bit. And then within like three months, I'm stood in front of 800 people shouting that we've got Kurt Angle, and it was oh, it's a really bizarre time. Very surreal, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's put a pin in this because your third and final match we'll talk about a bit later on. And I have an inkling of what it might be, but I'd like to talk more about that in a little bit. Um, obviously, now you're not involved with what culture now, um, cultaholics come a thing, became a thing. Mm. Um, your thoughts starting the company? Um, I think it had been it had been a long time coming, um, and there were things that all of us were unhappy with creatively um and we wanted to see if we could do it ourselves it was it was never about making lots of money because it's very difficult to do that on youtube especially when you're talking about wrestling um it was it was about having that creative freedom and to do the things that we wanted to do all the time and providing you know the the best content um to to our fans um the first week of the company mm. how was that uh, when well, you suddenly realised it was a thing, it, I mean, it was a it was the the rockiest start, obviously, and I don't want to go into too much detail on that, but it it, it sucked the 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 start of the company, like the launch was scrapped in the way that it was intended, and we lost Adam um, because uh, investors were were pulling out; it just wasn't feasible to do, um, and it was the it was an incredibly dark time. Uh, I ended up putting a lot of my own money in. I didn't have any money. I took money out on credit cards. Um, a lot of money out on credit cards. Uh, I borrowed money from my mum and dad. Like Carl Hollick wouldn't be here without my, my mum and dad who were generous enough to, to lend me that money. And I've paid them back now. I paid them back last week. Um, so you paid them back last week? Yeah. That yeah, must have felt like, amazing. Uh, yeah. Because it, it proved that this thing could, it, this, this thing could work. Uh, and they're, they're so amazing. Like they, the the belief that they have in me and my brother Dan, um, they'll do anything for us. The sacrifices that they made when we were growing up, and the anything that we wanted to do, despite the fact that we had no money growing up, we would like, despite my voice and the fact that I sound and look like a Tory, we had no money, <laughs> no money. Enough for Sky though. 
Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Priorities get that WCW in. Uh, they would they would do anything, and they were like, when it all fell apart, uh, they were like, okay, yeah, we, we believe you can do this. And it's expensive starting a business and renting an office and paying all of the things. It's not just the rent, it's the, the insurance that you've got to have and all the equipment and the staffing costs are really high. And like we all took massive pay cuts to, to, to do this thing to, to see if it, it would work. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a really rocky time, and I can only like thank people for investing in us um, and the people that signed up to the Patreon um, on day one. It wasn't even day one. It was day minus two because the name leaked mm. and people found it. And people people wanted to see what we could do. And we wouldn't be here as well without those people. It's so incredibly... I'm so grateful for, for people that did support us and watched the videos or um, anyone that subscribed or did any of that. And gushing here, sorry. No, 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 as you should. There is something, there's something special when people follow you over from a previous project because it's you there is that n- there is that nervous energy that is are they there for the products or are they there for us mm-hmm. and to have people saying this this money's yours we believe in you before anything had even come about must have felt amazing oh yeah it was it was so cool there's a guy that uh called, called uh brett tier of grace who gave us uh, a, a lot of money at the beginning like um and I, he was he was so cool for doing that. We went down and visited him, and after we were sort of slightly more buoyant as a company to say thank you, we went down and we took him out for meal and drinks, and we went go karting all together. He's a YouTuber as well. He's an amazing guy, um, and that he was he was integral in the thing as well because like it's not even like the money like you, you've got to you've got to wait in some cases a couple of months for money to come through like with Patreon, especially at the beginning we were waiting two months, so like cash flow was the issue, and that could have killed us. So I was just like taking money out on credit cards. So I'd maxed out three credit cards, was in a lot of debt, a lot of debt, uh, and borrowed the money from my parents. So yeah, it was just, it was such a scary time. Because if, if it had all gone wrong, I would have literally, I would have personally been declared bankrupt. I'd have had all my stuff repossessed. <laughs> like it, people see this sometimes, I feel, as like um, this this thing, which is fun because it's like, it's, it's someone else's life and it's drama, but this is like real life stuff. This could have, if this had all fallen apart, we would have all been in a really bad mm. way. We would have been in a really rough situation. People don't appreciate, I think not everybody, there's a lot of people that don't appreciate that, like, they'll see a video and it'll make them smile and they'll move on with their day, but it's the, the, the love and passion that goes into bringing stuff like that alive. And it's, like I say, it's a company that has taken you almost to bankruptcy mm. to make it happen. Yeah. That's and, and there's a lot that people don't see that goes on behind the scenes, um, and just the, you know, it's 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 amazing because really, we've got uh, full time what in the office now, fifteen or so people. It's, it's grown very very quickly. Um, I've seen it grow since I've been here in July. Yeah, I really started exciting. today. Yeah, Dan downstairs. Um, so new editors, we're looking for editors. Apply, please. <laughs> um, but so that yeah. says so much. That's a testament to where the company is to the point where. You're now saying we want to offer more people jobs. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and really that's, powerful. That's the thing I'm I'm proudest of. It's not the, not even the, the the content that we make, which I'm really really proud of for sure. It's um, it's the fact that we've we're in a position where we've been able to offer people uh, first time jobs in the media, if you want mm-hmm. to call it that. Um, we. Uh, yeah, we've been able to to bring people in and like. Uh, I don't, when you, you guys gave me that uh, Christmas card, 
I'm not going to say who, who who wrote it, but one of the comments on there was, uh, thanks for giving me my dream job. <laughs> and that, oh man, that meant like a lot to, I was welling up when I read that. And it's like, it's really cool that we've been, sorry, Jesus hey, Christ, hey, talking hey, about hey, a kissing hey. Christmas card. It's, right, it's really right. cool that we've uh, we've been able to do that. And we've got the best team here. I'm so proud of everyone. Everyone works their asses off and it's just a great, group of people and I'm really happy that it's sorry it's, but yeah it's been it's, really, it's so high stakes this whole thing so I get very emotional about it because it did it could could have gone very wrong and so when I come into work and I see all these people who are happy to be here that's really cool I feel really bad I just put cheers Keith yeah it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but no but I but like you know to, to to echo um what it said in the card um it was the same for me like you know it's not this isn't my design and graps but it was you offered me um, an opportunity with you guys when my dream job was being taken from underneath me. Yeah, and 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 I, I think I and I hope and I I hope I tell you enough how much that means. No, not nearly. Uh, no, clearly, you do. I don't. You do. Clearly, I don't. <laughs> of course, because, you do. Because it was like there was a point. This th it was roughly this time last year where we were finding out in my previous job that we were all down the road. And uh, and it's tough because there was part of, you know, I had conversations with my girlfriend where it was like, there's a, there's a chance I might need to leave the Northeast and just go and do whatever. But, you know, you've, you've kept me here. And, I'm, okay. and I've forever been grateful for that. And well, I we, forever will be. We're forever. It feels like I'm just talking on behalf of myself here, but like all of the shareholders, me, Jack, Ross, Sam, mm. we were so excited to have you on board and the amount that, you know, you've brought so much to the channel. Um, selfishly, you've made my job incredibly like a lot easier because I was sort of wearing myself out. I was doing a lot of work, and now I come in and you've prepped the news, and it just makes things easier for me, so I can do other things. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been amazing having you around. And you're, you, it feels like I've never. I said this to you in the pub the other day, but all the time that I've been working doing the YouTube stuff, I've never seen a fan base warm to somebody so quickly. Uh, lots of people have been introduced, and generally wrestling fans have jumped on them and be they're crap they're crap and then three months later they're like oh yeah it's part of, part of the furniture now yeah but that happened with you very quickly uh, and that's a testament to your talent bless you it's not about me today though so i apologize for making a very brief no that's now. okay let's make you cry some more <laughs> hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What do you do when you're not watching wrestling? Because I don't know whether you find this, that with... With the job that we do, my hobby was always wrestling. My work was always radio. My hobby was wrestling. Um, now my work is wrestling. Do you sw- what do you do to switch off when it isn't wrestling? I certainly don't watch wrestling. Exactly. Yeah, I certainly it's, don't watch wrestling. What do you do? And that I, I hate saying that because it makes it sound like this is just a job. And I am still really passionate about wrestling. I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I'm like pretending to love wrestling because it's now my job. I still love wrestling. But if I want to switch off, um, I play board games. Um, and I'm looking for more people to play board games with in Newcastle. I signed up uh, to Bumble BFF a while ago to find people to play board games with, um, and found this guy, and he, he seemed great. He knew his stuff, he knew his board games, and so I went for a pint with him, and the idea was to um, to play some board games afterwards, and then I started talking to him about the board games, and he didn't know anything. I was like, you do like board games, don't you? And he came clean and said, no, he he doesn't like board games. He was Googling them uh, because his, I don't know if you want to call it a fetish or what, but he likes meeting up with straight guys and trying to convert them. <laughs> so, so I'm not having a great deal of luck. Wow. I stayed for a couple of points because he was a nice bloke and everything, but he did lie to Any me. luck? No, no, no unfortunately right, not. Right. Uh, but... I'm not having any luck finding people to play board games with. I sometimes see uh, Phil and Jules from What Culture and we play in the mm-hmm. pub. Okay, but th- those things are, you know. There's a place, there's a board game cafe in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah Meeple's Corner, is it? Yeah, 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 it's just down the road from me, yeah. Um, I just need to find some people to play with. Favourite board game? Uh, Mysterium is a lot of fun. I'm trying to learn Gloomhaven at the moment, which is a big, chunky, I think it weighs like seven kilos or something. It takes up a lot of room. Um, and it's very, very comple- complex, sorry. And uh, so I've just been watching YouTube videos on how to play that for now. It, it, there's a website called Board Game Geek, and things are, like, rated on complexity. And so, like, a Monopoly would be a 1.4. This is, like, a 4.2. Okay. And that's from board game fans who know their stuff. So this is four times more complicated than Monopoly. No, it doesn't quite work. Uh, like it's tr- 400 times more complicated. Oh, jeez. Not literally 400, but it's very, very complicated. So, I, yeah, that's the one that is is the, the goal. I, I bought a copy of uh, Resident Evil 2, the board game, the other day, and I'm, I'm desperate to play that. How does, I, I was going to ask, how does it translate as a board game? It gets it? great reviews, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Yeah. But I've got a lot of board games at home, probably nearly 100 board games that I've amassed over the past, like, four or five. A- anytime there's a sale on. Mm. I'll buy a couple of board games. Where, where did it come from, your love of board games? Uh, Blompier introduced me to them, in fact. Uh, we uh, we had a games night at his place, and he, we played Mysterium there. But we used to occasionally play in London as well, and I just I, I fell in love with them. I loved board games as a kid, um, but my, my parents and my brother weren't that into them. And, so like, and, and then when I had friends over, it's more fun to play with wrestling figures than it is board games. But there was always something there. So, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, they're, they're great fun. There's a charm to... A well put together board game. Yeah, exactly. And like the the games that I was playing when I was growing up, it was your your, your Scrabbles, which is a great game, but uh, Monopoly, Cluedo. Monopoly is the one that everyone goes to at Christmas, and it's it's just the worst game, isn't it? Because you know who's going to win. 
after 30 minutes. It's always so obvious, but then you have to play it for another four hours to get to that point, so it's just not fun. But I didn't realise that there was a whole world of brilliant board games. It's, it's, it's eye-opening, and I think if people were to look it up, then you would they'd be quite impressed with what is out there in terms of board games. Oh, yeah, and there, there's a board game shop on every high street now. We've got one called Travelling Man here in Newcastle, which is brilliant. They should sponsor me. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it, there's something really magical about it. It feels like uh, going to Diagon Alley or something. And it, it, when you walk into them, there are all of these colours everywhere and there's this smell and everything. And it's just a wonderful place to be. It's, um, it's, a, it's having something that's tangible. And I think the one thing that we lose out a lot of now is that tangibility with everything. Like if you, you know, we, we now, you don't need to see something to buy it now. You can buy it online and you've got it. Like well, I was joking over the weekend, the moment you can download a coffee, that's going to shut down most of Starbucks and Costa. But it's it's having that tangible thing, and board games very much are that. Yeah, and I, I'm very much of the opinion that I, I don't really like things. I'm not a big possessions guy. I, I The board games are the exception to that. I don't keep things. I'm not I'm not really, really sentimental and, uh, like, I, I won't keep everything from my childhood just because it was there. I, I don't like... It sounds weird to say I don't like clutter if you see the state of my desk. But, uh, yeah, I don't own a lot of things. This is my one collection, and I'm very keen to not collect more things. Is there anything else you do when it's not board games that isn't wrestling? Mm, what did I do this weekend? No, I just I, I try and relax. I don't watch many films. I listen to a lot of music, uh, and I go to the pub. I'm like a, I really like – I used to brew my own beer, and I want to get back into that because that's a nice little project. But generally, like, like this weekend, I'll talk to you about where I worked on Saturday. Mm. I was uh, trying to fix some stuff on the website and catching up with emails and invoices and stuff like that that I didn't have time to do in the week. So I was working on Saturday, and then Sunday, I didn't get back out of bed until 1 p.m. Uh, and then went for a pint. Uh, with my pal, and then I went back home and went to bed again. <laughs> I just nothing. I just want to relax and turn off completely. It's 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 difficult to do. I think when when it's something that you love, like I'm guilty of it as well. If something if something's breaking and I'll be on my phone, I've been you know told off enough at home. When it's something that you love, like you your eye is always kind of half on it, unless you make a conceited effort to to not do anything. Yeah work related it's quite difficult and the thing is i just want to be available to everyone like we've got justin over in the states and we've got people like freelancers i want to be there all the time for them i don't want them waiting around mm. uh, for a reply from me so i try to be available if i'm not sleeping i'm, I'm there and i'm available or i try to be anyway uh, as well as uh three wrestling matches we need for the island um you're going to take with you a movie an album and a luxury item now you've you've just said there you don't really listen to music. You don't really like. No, I, I like films. music. Like I music. Like music. But I've been listening to the same music that I've been listening to for about fifteen years now. That's you, fine. Which is, I used to get wound up with my dad because <laughs> my dad would be like, he would just listen to the stuff that he'd been listening to as a kid. He loved uh, glam rock, like T Rex. T Rex was his band. And I was like, Dad, there's so much new, amazing music. And it's like, oh, okay, I like what I like. And I'm him now. I'm just him. I listen to the albums that I was listening to fifteen, twenty years ago on my walk to work. Now that's just what I do. Uh, but. So I need to discover some new music. So wait, what do I need? I need so a film. So yeah, a movie, an Mary album. And and a Which one? Mary and Max is the film. Oh, tell us about Mary and Max. Brilliant. It's by a guy called Adam Elliott, and it's a stop-motion animation. It's a claymation thing um, set in Australia and New York where this little girl called Mary writes to this guy called Max who has Asperger's, and they develop a relationship 
and oh, anything that I say is going to be spoilerific here, so I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's wonderfully heartwarming. It's beautifully scripted. It's a joy to watch. The, the it, it's Max's parts are all in black and white, except for the things that Mary sends him. Like she sends him a pom pom, and he puts it on his on his head, on his hat, um, and that's that's coloured in the thing. So like she is the colour in his life, and it's just it's one it's a it's a tale of uh, a, a, a pretty rough childhood. Bullying, and then uh, heartbreak later, and then just just this brilliant relationship. If you want to like see Adam Elliott stuff, there's a great short called Harvey Crumpet that's on YouTube at the moment, which is is a wonderful watch as well. But I'm not expecting many people to have seen that one. But it's just it's just a piece of media that makes me incredibly happy. How did you stumble across it? That uh, <laughs> was working my dad's shop again, and mm. there was a there, so. Dad shop was really really quiet, so I could basically just sit in there most of the time watching films that were on the shelves. Um, so one day I, I stumbled across this Harvey Crumpet thing, and I was like, "Oh, this looks weird," and it was brilliant. It was so good. It was again heartbreaking, but so funny and warm. And I watched it about four or five times, and then I found out that Adam Elliot at the time was working on a feature. Feature length film, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is fantastic. I'll I'll watch this." But yeah, it was it was in there, and I should know a lot more about films than I do. Working in my dad's shop, watching countless films, but there are so many films that I just haven't watched. I'm not a film guy at all. I haven't seen Star Wars. I haven't seen Indiana Jones, The Matrix, Lord of the Rings. I've seen a bit of Lord of the Rings, but it was just about walking. It wasn't very interesting. Um, I turned off Harry Potter. Uh, on the second film halfway through because it just got a bit nasty. I like the first one. It's all full of wonder and magic and everything. And then the second one is just like, they're all having a go at each other. It's like, no, that's not for me. Um, how about an album? Uh, the album is uh, Sufjan Stevens, open brackets, come on, feel the, close brackets, Illinois. Uh, so it's a guy called Sufjan Stevens who, uh, it was a PR stunt actually, but it, the, 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 the idea was that he was going to write a song, um, sorry, an album about, each of the 50 states in America. Um, and he did two in the end. He did Michigan and Illinois. And Illinois, I actually wrote some of the song names down because I knew you were going to ask this one. Okay. So I want to read some to you. Hello. He's brought props with him. Um, so some of the, the names of the songs. Uh, the Black Hawk War, or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning, or We Apologize for the Inconvenience, but that you're going to have to leave now, or I Have Fought the Big Knives and Will Continue to Fight Them Until They Are Off Our Lands. That's one of them. <laughs> That's one. That's one of them. Uh, a conjunction of drones simulating the way in which Sufjan Stevens has an existential crisis in the Great Godfrey Maze. And finally, They Are Night Zombies. They Are Neighbours. They Have Come Back from the Dead. Ah! <laughs> Um, and he's wonderful. You know what? It's uh, <laughs> this is the one thing I'm taking to the island. I almost said the Isle of Wight. Then I hope it is on the Isle of Wight. Near it. We don't have power there. Um, <laughs> it's the one thing I'm taking, uh, which is a little bit sad. This is the album that if I'm feeling down, I listen to. And you know, when sometimes you don't want to just indulge your sadness, yeah. you don't want to put on, I don't know, Mungo Jerry in the summertime when the weather. You don't want to cheer yourself up. You want to. You want to embrace that sadness for a bit and this is the album that i listen to when i want to do that because it is quite solemn um there's songs about all sorts of things um 
love and illness and a serial killer, John Wayne Gacy Jr. One of the, the tracks is just about John Wayne Gacy Jr., uh, who's in Illinois. And it's really, really varied. And you know when people describe albums, it's like, it's the most wanky thing. It's like, oh, it's a real journey album. A journey. This is actually one of those. It actually, it, it do, and I hate that because it, it's so pretentious. And this is a very self-indulgent choice. It's all self-indulgent, isn't it? This, um, but it's. Uh, I just, I just love it. I think it's an amazing album. There's something to be said for what you say there for for indulging sadness, and I think we're living in a time now where it's we're more encouraged to be in touch with emotions than probably we would have done in in our lifetimes. Where you know, as a as a kid, we're told to you know chin up, stiff up a lip, and all that stuff. It's quite nice to live in a time where. If you're feeling sad, be sad, you know, be in touch with that sort of thing. And it's yeah. nice you're taking an album that allows you to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. It's a, it's a weird thing, like, with with mental health, which is this incredibly complex thing, um, and trying to understand it. I remember my Tom saying, my Tom, my friend Tom, uh, saying to me about 10 years ago um, that he was, uh, he was suffering with depression. Um, and he, he described the symptoms to me. And it's when then I realised that, oh, okay, maybe that's what I've been dealing with too. Not to take anything away from Tom, who is now doing fantastically. But he was like, yeah, sometimes I uh, I can't get out of bed. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, whoops. Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> that's been happening to me. Um, and sometimes it'll take me two weeks to respond to an email. It's like, that's been happening to me as well. All of these things. And uh, understanding that... I, I just convinced myself that I was lazy. <laughs> I thought that's what it was because I wasn't feeling sad. I was just feeling nothing. I was just, I was taking no joy, but I was also taking no sorrow out of anything. I was just existing for a while. So it's good. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to bring it back to Sufjan Stevens and come on Feel the Illinois to sometimes think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be sad and let's, let's deal with that sadness. Let's, let's acknowledge it and then things will get better. How about a luxury item? Okay, so the the obvious choice here uh, is uh, Mr. Happy, my cat. But he's not an item. I'm not going to describe it. To be fair, Alison Kay is taking her cats. No, I'm and Solo Darling's Happy. taking her dog. Because there's not enough for a cat to do, is there? In the, in cats like, don't need much to do. We're both cat owners. Salt, like, salt water. That's all he's got. He'll die. So I'm taking the arcade game H2 Overdrive. <laughs> wow. So have you ever played it? No, I'm not, but you're going to tell me all about it right now. Uh, when I was working in the arcade, uh, we got to play on the machines for free. Amazing. It's better than having a pension. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did really, really long hours. Started at nine in the morning and generally worked until 11 o'clock at night. Very, very long hours. With that, you got a two-hour break. Um, so instead of... Um, going home, which I couldn't do because my house was too far away, I would either go to the pub and get half cut. I'd have three, four pints and then go back to work because nobody expects any level of cu- level of customer service in an arcade. You can get away with whatever you want. Uh, or I would play H2 Overdrive for about an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> H2 Overdrive is... Uh, it's. I think it's an arcade-only game. You're not going to find it on a console, so I'm going to be taking the full thing with me i'm assuming it's a water racing it is yeah it's a speedboat thing uh, and you you jump you jump you 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 launch yourself off ramps and pick up time boosts and all it's like a need for speed or like any racing game basically it's like that but you're on the water and you you time it's it's brilliant and i just 
I figure that if I'm going to take a luxury item, I want it to be something that's going to distract me from the fact that I'm on an island. And what can I do for the longest time without getting bored? And I thought back and I was like, yeah, that's probably H2 Overdrive because I would play it for two hours. I was, I was putting in like 12 hours a week on H2 Overdrive. Like the, the customers uh, complained because they couldn't get anywhere near the, the top score on it because I just ruined it. It was just AJP, 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 AJP. And I was just knocking all of the, the, the paying customers off and they knew <laughs> it. Uh, so yeah, H2 Overdrive. How did you come to work in an arcade? Um, all of my mates worked down there. It's the best job I've ever had. Not including this stuff. I loved the arcade. I loved it so, so much because it was really long hours. Uh which, despite the fact that I was getting paid, I think it was just minimum wage, when you're working that many hours, you've got lots of disposable income. And I was living at home at the time, and I was giving my mum and dad money for rent, but not they weren't expecting much. And so it was just a really fun few summers, because all of my mates were down there as well. So it was uh, me, Fred, Chegwin, uh, Gant was there, Tom was there. Rosie, like all of these people I know, there were probably like seven or eight of us. So like whenever anyone applied for a job, they just go, no, nah, nah, nah. Adam, do you know anyone? I was like, yeah, we'll have another of my mates down there. So nothing again felt like work. When you're working with your friends, it's just great fun. Um, and I got to do lots of different stuff down there. Uh, so I got to, I was a floor walker, which sounds like something out of Walking Dead, but it's not. <laughs> it's just the person who puts the toys on the two P pushers and refills the cranes, which is called fluffing up. Is that what you call it? Is that what it's called? Fluffing up? Fluffing up. If you, yeah, if, you, if Mark, the, the manager, would go, Adam, can you fluff up the EX1 cranes? I mean, yeah, no problem. Fill them full of toys. Uh, I got to work on a little mini golf thing, handing out putters. I got to pull Mr. Whippies all day. I got to work in the gift shop briefly. Um, and it was just, it was really varied. So actually, it was quite fun. And you're working by the seaside. Like, it's a proper British uh, seaside, Isle of Wight, crappy holiday no offense to anyone who goes there but it's just like it's it's been it's, the same for 40 years it's the seaside town they forgot to close down it's a part of it's part of british culture exactly it? seaside towns with arcades and stuff like that you haven't signed any uh, non-disclosures for the arcade have no you? i haven't right in that case right you know grabber machines yeah you know the grabber machines is it based on how much money goes in before it yes. gives you a toy they work, on a, they work on a random payout percentage uh i won't say what hours were set to but you're looking at probably in some cases triple the value that you'd pay for a soft toy in a shop so yeah it the the tension in the crane the the ability to grab goes up so that it's a it's a skill game in the fact that you've got to obviously place the claw over the toy and yeah. pick it up but that's the only skill involved enough money goes in you're gonna it's gonna pay out soon isn't it but it's funny how i think we've all got an idea that there's a fix in it but for the rest of the time on planet earth we will go to those things and we will go, hey. this is our moment. And we, I do, I do. It's I, a bit of fun. You exactly, put, yeah. You, as long as you're not putting 30 quid in to make sure that you get a toy out, if you put a couple of quid in, it's it's like a scratch card, isn't it? It's just a bit of fun. Exactly, exactly. Um, when did you leave that job? When the billboard thing took off. <laughs> right, yes. Um, although I think I was wrapping up my contract with them anyway. I know, that's it. Yeah, I, I finished with the arcade a week after the billboard went up. And by that time, I'd had like 100 job offers or something. And so I knew I wasn't going to be there for long. Summer season was ending. There weren't enough hours anyway. So it's like, okay, so it's wrapping up. Um, and they said they could have kept me on for a little bit. But uh, I, by that time, I was getting like offers from all over the place. You know how you said earlier that uh, if something happened here, you'd be stuck. Mm. Go back and run the arcade. I'd love to. It was a re yeah, as I say, it there was it was really really fun, um, and um, yeah, it was just 
my mates aren't down there now. That's that's what made it good. Mm. The fact that it, I just knew everyone there, and so it was a lot of fun. But I wouldn't have that if I went back. I don't know what I'll do next. <laughs> I think you should open an arcade in the north east. I think it's quite an expensive thing to do. Uh, it'd be fine. I don't, I don't be have fine. that much money <laughs> at all. <laughs> we do have one more wrestling match to get to. We do on your uh, DVD. We briefly alluded it's a WCPW match. Mm. So, um, what have you picked for your final match? I want you to take a guess because you said that you might know okay. what it is. I I think it is the WCPW Championship match between. Oh gosh, who would have been the champ? Joseph Connors and Martin Kirby. You're correct. Get in! <laughs> you are. Get and the, in. I, I really hesitated about putting this one on. I think no, it's the right thing to do. It, it feels very self-indulgent to put something on that I I played a part in. Um, but this match represents a very very enjoyable, crazy time in my life where we got I got to do things that I will literally never get to do again. Um, and it's it's the moment that I think I sort of changed and became an all right performer. Like I was really bad at the, the babyface GM thing. I was terrified. I'd just come back, never really done anything live in front of people, except for support the Rolling Stones, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so doing that was just, it was really, really fun. Um, and the reaction, I think it's one of the, the, the best visuals that WCPW ever had. So the, the match has happened. First of all, an amazing, technical, great story-driven match between two of the best wrestlers in the UK today. I truly believe that. Um, it's great to see Joseph Connors in NXT UK. Um, it's great to see Martin Kirby over in Dragon Gate. They're two guys who are fantastic and really great people as well. Um, and then I went and ruined everything <laughs> when I pushed Kirby off. The, he's doing the whoop, 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 the Zoidberg elbow. Push him off, stand on the apron, and all of this is a blur. But I remember a guy called Andrew Emerson shouting up, uh, sh- standing up, sorry, and going... F you, Pachiti! <laughs> and then all of these glow sticks start fl- and and Sam cuts to the wide shot, and there is a shower of glow sticks. It was a fantastic visual, and I and then I just went on to have so much fun as the bad guy. It's like way more fun being you, you, you know this yourself. It's a lot more fun being a bad guy than a good guy. And when yeah, when those glow sticks were just showering down, I was like, this is a you so had cool. that moment and and it's funny because like i i've known so much about you long before i started here because i used to watch uh what culture and watch wcpw i remember watching that and thinking that looks so cool and how you just stood there and i could only assume like you would not have known those glow sticks were coming i had an inkling because yeah yeah we, we knew what was going to happen and we knew about the hashtag sticks out for kirby thing and i remember saying to dixon um the guy that was sort of head booker, I guess, of the show. Uh, I remember saying to him, I really hope they lob all those glow sticks. And he just went, they will, pal. They will. <laughs> and then they did. And it was, it was, it was great. It was great because we took something away from them that they desperately wanted to see. And it helped continue the momentum that Kirby had already um, uh, had and was con- yeah, just continued to grow. And he was uh, he's such a gifted performer, Kirby. They both are, but Kirby. I, I loved working with Kirby because I was playing the straight man again. I think that's my, my best role when I'm doing this stuff is playing the straight guy. Um, and it was, it was just a, like I got to do some really fun promos after that and I got to work with Bully Ray. And it all led on to just moments that I can't believe have happened in my life. Uh, and I feel very fortunate and privileged to, to have taken part in those. Was there, is there one thing you'd like to have done if you had your time again? Yeah, yeah. I talked about this in the WCPW podcast, but a match with Kirby. That was the plan. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to do something 
crazy because Blompier had had his match with Rampage, which was great, really fun, lots of shenanigans. The character that I guess I was playing, when, I, when I've when i done the AJ Hazard thing a couple of times, is this loser who thinks he can wrestle. He thinks he's one of the boys. And I think that's quite a funny character. And it's something that I'd definitely like to do again at some point. So uh, the idea is that I, I thought I didn't need any help. And the, what I wanted, in my head, I wanted to do a Shane McMahon and fall off something massive. I wanted another brilliant visual to sort of bookend that glow stick moment i wanted something that was like absolutely crazy so i because i can't wrestle obviously there would have been shenanigans but it would eventually lead to me running away or something running up some scaffolding and falling off health and safety be damned i remember pitching this and then being like and then i started looking into crash mats and all of this stuff i really desperately wanted to do it and it didn't happen because essentially we did the the bully ray thing where he put me through the table and that was that was the conclusion and i think it was a mistake to give that away for free it's hard you know it, it is what it is um but i i really wanted to do that match because i i do enjoy performing and to, i think me and kirby could have done something really fun maybe one day never say never yeah, exactly. i think one thing that's one thing that is that's been learned um in, in the short time you've been on planet earth is that you just never say never to anything no. you think of all the stuff that you've done and that's brought you to this point anything can happen in the next half hour i agree Thank you for joining us on Cold Hard. Thank Island you for having today. me, Tom. It's been an honour and a privilege. Um, any final thoughts before uh, we let you off the island? No, no. I, 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 I've really enjoyed this. It's been quite cathartic. One final thought. If you're an editor, <laughs> cultaholic.com forward slash careers. We need some more editors in the, the new downstairs office. Link down below. Yeah. Probably. Admin Pachiti. <laughs> have it. <laughs> For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.